Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Just wanted to let you guys know that in the show notes, there is a link to register for the mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks. It's free for you guys. Ten chapters of some great little pieces of advice for silks and how to maintain your body check there and I'd love to become your teacher. I'm so happy to have Jackie Ward Kerwald. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Jackie. I tried to say it a couple times and every single time I butchered it, but she toured with Cavalia with her husband. She has a duo act. They've done cruises and other circus projects. She's an aerialist and newly a hair hanger. And now a mom of a toddler, she's the communications manager at the Circus Project in Portland, Oregon. I am so excited to ask her all about this hair hanging business and to find out how the balancing act is going, momming, working, and circusing. All right, guys, let's get started. Jackie and I first met because Dr. Emily Sherb, the circus doc, had us both on a panel for one of her student lectures. And so we met via Zoom and I was like, Jackie is perfect for this podcast. So I invited her. She honors me by being here. Say hi to the listeners, Jackie. Oh, hello. And if you could say your full name, because I always am very scared to butcher names on this podcast. Of course. I have a funny one, too. I'm Jackie Ward Kerwald. Yes. Jackie, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a circus artist. I do aerial and contortion and newly hair hanging. Wow. And I'll be asking you about that as well. I love it. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I started all of this recreationally a long time ago, um, way back in high school. And then my career was, was a slow build story. I didn't, um, like go to circus school at one point. I just liked it more and more. Um, I did go to university and I studied anthropology, nice. <laughs> but in the meantime, I was like doing circus gigs on the weekend. You know, I thought maybe I'd go to grad school. Maybe I would do circus kind of was on the fence. And then, um, when my husband and I started dating, we decided to, to make, to build a career together as a duo. Um, he had been, he'd been working with a company here in Portland, Oregon for, as a company member for 12 years. And they had a, like a structural change. So, and what's his apparatus hand balancing initially. And then, um, when we decided to work together, we decided to, to go for duo straps. Um, and then we ended up performing duo hoop for a lot of our career. Nice. So I guess we're, I don't know, are we generalists? Is that what that means? We're multidisciplinary? Multidisciplinary sounds really smart. There we go. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Our like career building story is that we, um, we decided it really did help having a partner. I'll admit for kind of just like the business side of it to have someone to process and like talk through what our goals are and what, what we're willing to sacrifice. Um, like we knew we would you know, be away from family for a long time, but we also were not willing to go into debt, for example. Like we were able to like be really clear about, about like what we were willing to do. We gave ourselves a two-year timeline to like quote unquote make it. 
Um, and then we, if that didn't work, then we would, we would figure out, I, I would go back to grad school or whatever, whatever the other idea was. If you don't mind me asking, how old were you at that time? Oh, you know, that's a great question. Um, I must've been 20, 24 or something. I wasn't, I wasn't a young whippersnapper cause it was after college. Whippersnapper, she says. Yeah. <laughs> that's still on the young side. It's not like you found it as a 30 year old. We had some time. He's, you know, six years older than me, I think. Okay. But this is great. It's like a romance and a circus act. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. So I mean, just, just to say that it, we were really intentional about it, you know, as things go right under our deadline, we got, we got our first contract. So it was like, okay, we did a, a North American tour with Acrobatic Conundrum. We did a cruise ship. We worked with um, Cavalia for a few years. Then we decided to do the big transition and we're thinking about having a family and like what the next chapter is. Lo and behold, I'm back in Portland and now I have a toddler. <laughs> yeah. How long were you with Cavalia? Um, for a little over two years on tour. That's like a chunk of time to really do it. And was it like all over the world or just America? That tour was North American. Um, they had talked about taking it to Europe, but it's literally the biggest big top in the world. And yeah, it's huge. I guess once they looked into the finances, it was not feasible to move all the horses and the big top and et cetera, et cetera. So we did Canada and the States with them. Okay. And when you left that, were you ready to leave it or did you, were you sad about it? It was bittersweet. I had a great time. I'm like, what, you know, what a dream to travel and perform. But I did, I was kind of tired of tour life, to be honest. I was ready to like, to settle into one place and have, you know, like my steady community with me. Yeah. I did want to start a family. Yeah. That was, that wasn't the whole decision, but that was in there somewhere. Um, and then it was kind of just a confluence of happenstances. We had recently bought a house and we were getting ready to advertise it, to rent it out on Craigslist. Mm, okay. <laughs> and, then, um, and then honestly, we had a job offer in Portland. So, that always you know, helps. Like, it always helps. Right. <laughs> like if it had been one of those things, but not all of the things we, we were about ready to sign, re-sign our contract with Cavalia too. So I was like, oh wait, let's pause negotiations and don't put that the house on the market yet and see what happens with this. And then, you know, we did hem and haw quite a bit because we, you know, we loved performing. We loved being on tour, but um, it was kind of too good of an opportunity. So what was your act on, on Cavalia? We did duo hoop together, uh, my partner and I, and then I also did the aerial fabric act, which was only women. There was a Chinese pole piece. The men did another just kind of like ensemble piece. And there was also this one moment when I walked out and did choreography with a horse. And that was really my shining moment. We snuggled. Aww. I'll treasure that forever. <laughs> Were you hair hanging for Cavalia? No, hair hanging is new for me. Hair hanging was my quarantine project. Oh, so wait, your quarantine project was to get your scalp to separate from... <laughs> okay, so now we're getting into some shop talk, but the whole scalp separating thing. Is that not, is that a myth? That's definitely not a myth. Some professionals swear by it. Okay. My mentor was 
horrified and told us to never have it happen. So there might be two different schools of thought about that. I'm, I'm learning. I only know about it because I've listened to my friends as they're training. Yeah. And it just sounds like the most painful process ever. So, okay, I have a lot of questions. I'm going to try to organize myself, which is kind of hard to do. Because All right. She's going more, more, more. Mm-hmm. There you go, Bean. As they do. Go ahead. The thing is, is that my partner is home, but she wants to be here. Oh yeah. So we're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna let her sit. You know what? Let me just ask you about the hair hanging because I am. Let's go there. Like I, I I'm like fascinated. Number one, what made you want to do it? Number two, how long did it take you to become tolerant and what that process is? And then now, how does it feel? It's one of those things that I've daydreamed about for years. I act, I've like experimented on my own to see if I could figure it out. And very quickly I was like, uh, no, no, <laughs> you need to wait for some instruction. Uh-huh. And then actually there was this mentor of mine that I've been wanting to work with. And because of quarantine, she was willing to coach online actually for the first time. Wow. Hair hanging via zoom. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is 2021. Right. Right. It was an experiment for her. You know, she was cautious, but, um, like we had to commit to a certain number of sessions and she was really thoughtful about it. I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah. For her mentorship. It was actually perfect for quarantine because it, it is kind of confined. You know, when you're first learning, you can only hang for 15 minutes at a time. Wait, 15 minutes. Uh huh. I was thinking 15 seconds. Oh yeah. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad that sounds impressive. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're doing a, an aerial hoop workout, you'll like warm up for half an hour and then train for an hour and a half if you don't have kids and then cool down for another half an hour. And that was just like, was no longer, you know, I had a one-year-old at that time. So that, that type of training was not realistic in my life. Wait, so you're saying like 15 minutes actually hanging? Oh, I mean like, and doing choreography and like, you know, like a foot on the floor and like spinning or but like, you know, 15 minutes total. Okay. And then, then your neck is done and your scalp is done. Okay. You know, if you only spend 15 minutes working on your silks piece. No. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I get it. I was imagining just like right away, 15 minutes. Boom. When I was kind of like teasing about that in the studio, one of my friends and colleagues was like, you know, if you were doing a one arm hang for 15 minutes straight, that would feel really impressive. It's only one limb of your body that's suspending you for 15 minutes. So that reframing really helped me not feel so pitiful about it. So what does this feel like? Can you please characterize it and use a lot of graphic images? Cause I want to know. It's all about ha- like having the, a good braid. And what I like to say is on a good day, like if my braid is good and the like hair gods are smiling upon me, it really, it kind of just feels like icy hot. Icy hot. <laughs> if it's a really good one, you're kind of like, Ooh, like my chakras feel so opened and I, I'm ready. <laughs> um, on a bad day, it hurts. It's, I mean, it's, it's a pain journey, you know, and, and there's, there's warm up. And it, for me, I don't know if other hair hangers feel this way, but I kind of feel like there are these different levels of pain and you have to kind of sit with one level and then there's a transition and you can go to the next level and then there's a transition and you're like, okay, all right, now I'm there. Um, it has, it has been really interesting. And honestly, like if we're going to get 
deep, I do think like how cathartic it is was really helpful for me during early pandemic when it was so stressful Mm -hmm. and my husband just started being long distance. So like, there's just like a lot of stress and anxiety going around and having that like really intense physical, but also creative and nourishing practice was really helpful for me at that time, I think. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what this actually feels like though. Like, is it like (laughs) deep tissue massage to the max? Is it like somebody's pulling on your joint? Like what, what are the adjectives? Like if the, if it's a bad braid and it's pulling one part of your hair more than the others, then it feels like someone's pulling your hair really bad. And that hurts. Okay. If it's a really well-balanced braid, then it's, yeah, then it's like a really deep tissue massage. If it's really even, then you can, you can like tune into it and zone out a little bit and like get in the brain space, you know, childbirth hurt much more. Let's say that. Okay. So you're, you're basically retraining your fascia, right? Mm -hmm. Is that basically Mm -hmm. what the bottom line is? Because you said that some, some school of thought is the separation of the scalp from like that separation from the fascia. But mm-hmm. how do you not do that if you're not meaning to do that? It would be interesting to talk to a hair hanger who, who does do the separation of the scalp thing, you know, cause like my mentor really had, had me work through like the positioning of your neck and the position of your scalp and, um, like pulling from all sides of your hair really evenly. It, you know, for me personally, it's much more about neck and upper back mm. management Okay, more so than the scalp itself. Also, I have a ton of hair. So like that might change things too. I don't know. Yeah. Like if you have thin hair, you're not in the right thing. That's not your thing. If you have really thin hair, there are amazing thin haired hair hangers out there. But Oh my God. I don't understand. It might change the technique quite a bit. I don't know. So are you engaging your upper back? Mm-hmm like crazy. Yeah. I'm surprised, you know, when I started performing how much my upper back, my neck, I expected to be sore. My upper back, I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense that it was sore. But then also my, like my sides got really sore and and you just realize your whole torso is like pulling in, doing the corset action to support you. Mm, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, it's a trip. I will say though that performances never hurt. Right, because your mind is somewhere else, right? Totally, exactly. What I started to notice is that being in the gym when my buddies would practice lifting me on the pulley system, that also never hurt. So it's like you don't have the adrenaline rush of being a perf- in a performance, but you have like social hormones going. Like, it just makes me wonder about brain chemistry, like how much, how much like physical things like pain tolerance change if you're in a social setting or if you're alone or, or whatnot. Yeah. It it makes me curious too, because you're just distracted. I wonder. I wondered. I wonder too. Yeah. So how long did it take from very beginning to you feeling comfortable enough to perform? It was a number of months before my first performance. So, you know, maybe five months or six months. So in terms of like circus disciplines, I think that's pretty fast. Like it certainly oh, yeah. took me years to do contortion act. <laughs> and, um, and that said, you know, my mentor said that if you're already a circus artist, you learn a lot quicker than someone who doesn't have that physical preparation, of course. Hi. 
life. Yeah. You know, I, I feel really grateful over the past year to have been able to do a number of performances and I'm definitely like seeing my body adjust and get more confident and more comfortable. And I'm learning as I go, obviously. Um, so the journey has not ended. It did, it did not end after five months and it has not yet ended. Is there a general, like you shouldn't train certain times a week? Like how, like what's too much, what's too little to not keep that tolerance, you know? Yeah. I mean, I had to kind of experiment all of that. I remember I had my first, uh, gig this summer where I had two performances in the same day. And that was a question mark for me. And I was like, well, we'll see what happens. Turns out it was fun. And then I did a little like three week tour with the acrobatic conundrum recently. And again, I was like, okay, this, like, this is leveling up. It's more hanging than I had done previously all in a row. It was fine. (laughs) You know, you just don't know until you do it and keep getting stronger, I guess. So with your toddler, how did, how much do you train now? Yeah, that's what I was going to say because of the toddler restriction. I really only train twice a week, to be honest. I stay physical the whole time, but, but those times to really go into the studio and rehearse are really limited. I do think that has worked well specifically for hair hanging. Cause it is nice to have that day off to recover, especially when I was learning, mm. but I, I am at a point now where I, I would feel comfortable training every day at this point, but I, w- I wouldn't have after those five months alone. <laughs> I'm glad it was a slow build is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So you're going to be like, how can this woman have so many questions? I have so many questions about your hair. So <laughs> Are you wrapping it yourself? I do. Okay. And are you doing it from like your hair is down to all the way A to Z yourself? Yeah. 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 And that's unusual. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that's not normal. Is it? Yeah. Traditionally in like the traditional circus families, they would always have someone else do it for them. And that's, I think that is kind of a debate, <laughs> but luckily, you know, my mentor was in, was in contemporary circus shows and she had to do it herself. So she, she had a lot of good advice to give me on how to make that happen. Okay. And so there's a technique to it. Sure is. There's a huge choreography. I'd even call it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes me half an hour to do my hair. So we're talking about like my, do, just doing my hair is half an hour. And then I, in the beginning, you can only rehearse for 15 minutes. So that ratio seems off, doesn't it? That's a little frustrating. Yeah, but it makes it, I mean, it's like you have to do your makeup type of thing. Like it's the same amount of time. Yeah, that's right. Dude, I am very impressed. You also did duo straps, which I'm also very impressed with because, you know, I'm, I don't even call myself a real circus person because I just have like one, like one toe. I have a toe in it. I don't know about that. No, because I like to straddle the line of like, I'm not a full circus. Like I'm in the circus community. I don't like consider myself such a circus performer because like, I, I like refuse to make a ground act completely refuse (laughs) are you a dancer no I'm a dancer I'm a dancer but that's not that's like dance and circus it's not the same thing Mm. anyways I don't I don't have the name tag I won't put it on but it's not because I don't have respect for I have a lot of respect for like this generational traditional circus I just yeah I mean I think I think you're in Carrie yeah, I, I like the people a lot. I like the people a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. The hair hanging is amazing. But now you are 
kind of straddling the line of performer and you have a job job within a circus, within a circus program, and you have a child like me, one. But what that transition was like and what you enjoy about it, what you like about the new mix. For where I am in my life, I really enjoy having the consistency of my day job. And there's a really lovely community of working with the same coworkers every day. And I like all my coworkers. I love that. But you can't say the opposite because they're probably going to listen to this. Um, I also, my day job is pretty darn creative too. I do communications for a circus school. So I do find a lot of that creative fulfillment too, and doing like graphic design and things like that. And I feel really lucky to have been able to continue performing and get back into performing and to have those opportunities. I do work, my day job is only part-time. So I know, I know people who work full-time have a harder time getting it all together. Is the job actually in the circus space? Pre-COVID, yeah, we, we went into the studio. I work at the Circus Project in Portland, Oregon. So we have a gym. It's a circus school with a lot of like outreach and equity programs. This year, we just started an outdoor studio also, kind of in response to COVID. So there's a lot going on. A big learning curve for me also. I've always been really inspired by people who have stories of changing their career later in life. You know, mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah. And really admire that, that that shows that people are, you know, multidisciplinary and what's that phrase that we contain multitudes trying to say that instead of, instead of the fact that I'm no longer a full-time circus artist, letting it be that I am now also something else too. You're a mama. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to share this little moment and see if you have this thought too. I don't know what it is about being at the studio whatever studio, there's a couple studios I'm at in here in LA and having my laptop and getting my work done and then jumping on a fabric and then laying on the floor Mm -hmm. and then stretching and then Mm -hmm. writing an email. Mm -hmm. I wish that I, the thing is, if I had a rig at home, I probably wouldn't use it. So I won't even say that. (laughs) But the idea of that being an office for me makes me so happy. Like, yeah. To like do my things and to write and to do some, you know, whatever social media and to do some graph design and like build a website and then, oh, okay, let me do a workout for half an hour and then come back to it. I don't know what it is. It makes me happy. Yeah. That's so nice to hear you frame it that way. Yeah. It's nice. Right. I have an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Our offices are on the second floor and there's a window that looks out on the gym down below. So every once in a while you're typing away your computer and you just see like an eight-year-old climbing up to the top of the fabric that just like emerges in your window. And then, Oh, that's great. You're like, Oh, good for you. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's a really inspiring environment. I, uh, I took my chair back. Yes, you did. I took it back and I sat down. She hasn't noticed. She hasn't noticed. I really love doing that. It makes me happy, and I did just explain your job, and that's so cool. Jackie, how was your how was your prenatal phase? You know, all in all, I had it. I had it pretty good. I know compared to other women's stories. I think you heard me say at that uh, that panel that we did. The first person I told I was pregnant was my circus director at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was also she'd given birth. And she was a circus artist. So I was like, I just need to process what's going to happen. Can I still do this show? And of course she was so supportive. So I feel really lucky that I had like a a handful of circus moms that I could process. And that was invaluable. 
And then like physically I did have some, uh, oh gosh, what's it called now? That little pain in your pelvis right in the front there. Round ligament pain. That too. What's this like right in the joint, right in your crotch? You know, Pu- you oh, pubis symphysis. There it is. All right. There it is. Yeah. So, you know, there were aches and pains and I didn't, starting it, I don't know, six months or something, I didn't, I didn't train my splits. I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. But I feel really lucky that I was able to be pretty, like relatively, you know, physical the whole time and did handstands into my third trimester and did some gentle hoop. Love it. Like I had the advice to not push things too intensely. So I didn't do invert. I didn't do straddle ups or leg raisers for a while. Um, and there's, there's plenty on hoop you could do without that. So it was fine. Well, hoop, I remember getting on it in my first trimester and it felt horrible to my body. Really? I don't know what it was because silks I could handle, but I think my sensitivities. Well, that's because you're a silks artist, Carrie. I know. Well, you know, the it would feel to me, it would feel horrible. The Lyra is the middle sister that never gets any attention. <laughs> oh, in my, my heart. In my life. So yeah. So when I got on Lyra, I was like, this is horrible. Yeah, right. So pregnant body just like told me, you know, like, and I'm grateful for that. But the funny, like in, I live in Portland and it rains all the time. And there's this like store, this joke that native Portlanders never use umbrellas. Cause I don't know, we're too good for it or something like that. Like we can bear the rain. But when I was pregnant, I was like, you better believe I'm going to use an umbrella. Like if I'm going to be this uncomfortable about things I can't control my whole life, I'm going to control this one little thing that will make me slightly more comfortable. And I'm not going to get rained on right now. Because (laughs) Portland natives are, are impermeable. Is that, is that what it is? I don't know. That's what I want to know. Is it not bothering them? They're still getting wet no matter what. We don't mind getting wet. We just are made of moss and ferns anyway. So <laughs> it's our natural state to be a little. Smaller. Look, when people talk about rain, I'm like having a face gasm because I haven't seen rain in LA for like uh, April. Anything you want to talk about with your birth story or postpartum to share with us? Because of the advice of just my peers and my colleagues and my friends, I was able to kind of patchwork together a medical support system that didn't come as a package. You know, the medical, you know, the medical world kind of has a ways to go in terms of supporting. Yeah. I was able to kind of grab, grab the PT here and grab the midwife there. Okay. And I do feel really grateful that I had that available to me. I had a great midwife that was an athlete herself and she was able to like really process choreography with me. I had a a Christmas contract that I was going to do at five months pregnant. Mm. Bless that director that was so into me performing with a bump (laughs) because it was there. (laughs) Thank goodness that she was able to like sit with me and help me process what all the choreography is and, and if it's okay and if it wasn't safe and how to make it safe. So I, I did feel really supported by her in the end. And then kind of the same thing postpartum that you know, the system quote unquote didn't have a great structure for me, but I was able to find the pelvic floor PT. And then she referred me to a sports therapist. And then like in the end, it it kind of all worked out. And thank goodness also for, for Instagram, it sounds a little silly, but there's so much knowledge on social media right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Carrie, 
Um, I found there was a lot of knowledge in the Facebook group for Ariel Mama. Uh-huh. And I know you've, yep. you've had April on here before. But like all those little things really build together. If you look, the knowledge is out there now, which I, I don't think necessarily was true 20 or 30 years ago, you know? I'm assuming because you had a midwife, you had a vaginal birth at home. No, I went to a hospital. Oh, you went to the hospital. With no problems. Yeah, no worries at all for me about going to hospital. My um, my mom had three really dramatic birth stories. Ah. So my only frame of reference, I was like, I feel perfectly okay being really close to emergency services. Um, in the end, it was not it was not dramatic. I did have to be induced, which was not in the plan. Obviously, luckily, you know everything everything went all right from there. So it was a vaginal birth with no tearing. Oh. So we had like the six week, you know, recovery process. And then, um, it was just kind of putting all the, putting all the organs back in place. Yeah. Getting the floor to function the way it's supposed to and rebuilding that core back together. Okay. So you actually got taken care of after yours, which I need to do. So how, how have you balanced everything that, that assumes that you are balancing? I don't know if I'm balancing. I know. What a question. How have I? And it's it, like every season, it's a little bit different. Well, it's impossible. It's impossible to balance as we try, but how is your balancing act going? You know, I have some, I have some grandparents in town, my parents. Lovely. I do have childcare a couple times a week. So I'm able to get my work work done for a while there. The studios were completely closed and then the studio opened. We could schedule coaches could schedule one training time a week in the space, you know, with only, with only three people and with masks on and the doors open, et cetera. And that one time a week became so holy. <laughs> it's like the sacred one hour. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's my like personal training has increased a couple times a week. I also do contortion handstand. So, so that's another thing that's like, isn't that great? I can do that anywhere. Yeah. How, gosh, that's just, how do I balance? I don't know if I do Carrie, but we, we keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll go through weeks where if I start one thing in the morning, let's just say I need to edit a video Yeah. pre baby, pre pandemic, I would have like five or six things like that. And I would get it done. Mm-hmm. Now, if I pick that one thing, that's the only thing that's getting done that day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what happens. That's right. And I just have to like accept it. So I just, I just swap priorities every day. So, because mm-hmm. I know I'll get something else done, but it won't be finished. So I'm like, okay, right. if this morning I just feel like I really need to stretch, then I will do the yoga and like the emails will wait. Mm-hmm. The editing yeah. will wait. And if they get done, they get done. But then at least I would have done my body work and, you know, and stretch and roll everything out and do the Pilates. That's a really healthy way of doing it, of structuring it, just taking it like setting a priority day by day. I like that. Yeah, I've been doing that. And it kind of is like, okay, it kind of sets my expectations kind of low Mm -hmm. on what I think I'm going to get done. So if I outshoot that, I'm like really excited. It yeah. should be. Yeah. Ideal. I'm also a workaholic. So it's like when people ask me how I'm doing, it's all based around that. But at the same yeah. time, we don't have childcare right now, but it's yeah. because of our choice. We've decided that like, 
COVID just makes us really nervous. And she's young. She's not even two. So it's either Asa watching her or me watching her. But man, am I enjoying it so much. Like, yeah, right. It's so special. And I know very well that like when she's a little older, it's not the same. Like spending a lot of time with your kid in the first couple of years, I think is, is so special. It's so fulfilling. That's so true. It is. And like, and that, you know, that makes the trade-off worth it. We still need balance. And obviously we still need to be healthy and happy, but it's, it's worth celebrating that it's so fulfilling to hang out with Alita also. Yeah, it's so fulfilling. You know who else had a really good perspective on this? I'm a body worker as well. And my sensei, I call him Sensei Mike Tan, for all the years that I knew him before the pandemic, he lived in Thailand. He's from LA, but he moved to Thailand for his business. And so if I really wanted to further my training with him, I'd have to make trips to Thailand. And I did once before all this happened and before I was pregnant. And it was like, an incredible experience. But now that he's here in town, he got, he didn't get kicked out of Thailand, but it got really hard to go back. Lo and behold, he's here and he was really trying to work with me. And he realized how much of a mom I am now. And he's like, you know what, Carrie, not just practice of doing it, but practice of learning my education. Mm. He's like, let's just stretch it out. Let's just stretch it out. That's great. And I'm like, it makes me feel good that I can just do this now and then do other things later. Yeah. You know, like there are different chapters. Yeah. The fact that I'm not a full-time performer now doesn't take away the fact that I was, you know, like that will always be a part of me. Mm -hmm. And now is a chapter where my daughter's young and at home and then the chapter will change. (laughs) I, I do really like that perspective. I think it helps me not have FOMO. Totally. Right. Yeah. I don't want to go through this and, and, you know, go through this time and be wishing that I was somewhere else, which I don't already, but I think no matter what, if you are a super independent person yeah, and now you're just at home with a child all the time, yeah, that can be quite, I had a huge identity crisis right when she was born. Yeah. I don't know about you. Did you experience any yeah, of that? Yeah, you know, what was hardest for me is, is actually when pandemic hit, because I my personality does not do well being home all the time. Mm. <laughs> I, I need like some structure and some activity, just like mental activity and get out of the house and I need to be physically active. You know, that's part of my choice to, to keep working part time. I know, you know, a lot of like people when they get pregnant face that question of like, oh, should I stay at home or should I work? And that's, I have learned about just my personality and my brain structure that I need, I need work for me to be healthy and happy. That could be Camino design work, or that could be performance work. But, um, I've learned too, that my, I have never been like particularly structured in my schedule until I'm a parent, because Mm. if I'm at a rehearsal and the rehearsal goes late, that means I have to extend childcare later. And, you know, just all these little things the logistics of being a parent is something that I, I wasn't quite prepared for. You have to track your calendars. You have to coordinate with so many people for everything that balanced with the fact that you can, like you can do that. It's just logistics and logistics can be solved. Yeah. Love different pep talks on different days, depending on which, which type of anxiety I'm feeling. <laughs> the hardest thing for me was I was alone and then now I'm never alone. Mm. Oh yeah. Actually now it doesn't bother me, but 
like the first two months of her life, I also had postpartum anxiety disorder, which does not help anything ever. But it just, it was so hard for me to like wrap my head around the responsibility of it. Totally. Yeah. Cause you know, like just honestly, the past few months, Alita got a lot more fun to hang out with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're not just like a squishy little infant that just has needs all the time. Like they're interacting. Totally. Like we're having fun together now and she's interacting with me. I'm not just trying to keep her alive, which I'm also, also still trying to do all the time. You know, when I had postpartum, I just got so, I got super weepy. Oh, that was the, that's the blues, the baby blues, right? Finally, after like day five of this, looked it up and they were like, oh, starting it, you know, day four postpartum, your hormones start to, to leave. And then that lasts for about two weeks. And I was just clockwork. Like I had textbook <laughs> baby blues. It would hit me every night around 6 p.m. I would just start crying. Right, right. And you're just like, what's wrong with me? And it's and it's your hormones. Why am I not happy about this? And then it spirals. What's wrong with exactly? And then I was like, oh, Google says this is normal. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to add guilt on top of everything. No. And you know what just happened to me? I have always run really... Um, cold my whole life like Mm. in the room with my friends they have tank tops on I have a sweatshirt on when I was pregnant postpartum everything I was hot Mm -hmm. everything was hot I didn't need to bring a jacket with me in the car nothing I was hot 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 and then recently my hormones must have changed I had Mm. stopped breastfeeding a while ago like in the spring Mm -hmm. but I got I'm like back to normal now how weird I know. It's I so it's so weird. For I, me, it was honestly, it was the smell of my BO changed when I was breastfeeding. Oh, okay. It's a disconcerting feeling that I'm like, wait, like, who am I? You know, on this like subconscious level that you respond to smell that way. And then when I stopped breastfeeding, I was like, oh, there we go. Wait, okay. What my brain just did. So the actual smell, so your actual smell did not change. How you perceived it changed. Ooh. Is that Ooh, what I you're saying? Know. Is that what you're saying? I think it's my actual smell changed. Okay. How will I know? Yeah. Unless your husband's like, your BO smells different now. Right? I guess I could have pulled the audience if I were truly committed to science. Uh, that's a new one though. I've never heard that one. Oh, well, look at that. (laughs) I did have, um, it took me until I stopped breastfeeding before I could train my over middle splits too. Cause I I really noticed the relaxing on my knees. Oh, okay. That's just not worth it right now. And the thing is with me is my psoas. I've, I usually like have problems with a little bit of like sticking my butt out anyway. Mm -hmm. And then since the pregnancy, my psoas just became like impermeable short rock. Oh gosh. And so I'm still trying to, well, and it's, with things like that, it's hard to know if it's, if it's like physical hormonal or if it's lifestyle too, cause now you're carrying a toddler. Yeah. Around. Yeah. We're not, we're not stretching as much. So that's something that's hard for me to tease out. Is it like, is this just my body healing or is it my lifestyle change? Like there's so many factors that go into becoming a parent. From the psoas to, <laughs> to the BO. Those hyperextending knees, you just don't know. Well, you're already super flexy anyway. Were you a flexible kid? I had one part of my body was flexible, which was my low back. Ah, uh, okay. And I had to work really hard for my shoulders and I had to work really hard for my hips. But that was kind of what gave me a taste of contortion that I was like, ooh, like this is fun. <laughs> 
And then I was like, oh, but I need to work on my technique. I've got so much jealousy towards contortion aerialists. Mm-hmm. What is the word? It's like jealous slash, you know, forget getting more flexible. I can yeah. barely maintain my flexibility now with my lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been like a whole shift. You probably feel the same way in, in how I structure my training and what I expect to get out of training and like how I choreograph acts, like all these things have shifted in the past two and a half years. And I feel like generally with choreography, it'll get richer because I just have more to bring to it. But like the things that the things that I struggle with as like a physical body have become harder for me to deal with. Like they're just, they're just harder, harder nuts to crack after the pregnancy. And things will always change, but I honestly feel kind of like, um, I don't know if laissez-faire is the right phrase. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've just accepted my weaknesses that like, oh, that one thing that I've been working on, I might not ever put that in an act ever. And that's okay because we have so much other, so many other things to pull from. Um, Jackie, you were like, what the heck are we going to talk about? Let me tell you that <laughs> I have found my superpower in life. And I think it's as a podcaster I think so too. <laughs> no, like I really have a natural ability and I think it's just talking to my girlfriends on the phone so much. Yep. We're just gabbing away here. I always say to my mom, you know, that skill, you didn't think I was going to use that or it was going to become really a good skill. But look, all that talking on the phone in high school really, <laughs> really is getting somewhere now. It's paying off. <laughs> it's paying off. Jackie, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. And, um, honor, Carrie, thank you for the invitation. Thanks so much to Jackie for being with us today. I will add a link in the show notes to find her on Instagram and a reminder to register for the mini course. That's free for you guys. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps others find this community. And thanks so much for listening. This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast.